The Breakdown Podcast is sponsored by Out of the Rat Race Cycling Apparel, um, where you can pick up ecologically sustainable high-end kit, which is both odour-resistant and lovely to look at. So make sure you check it out at www.com.au. That's or.com.au. Hello and welcome to the Breakdown Podcast. I am here for a very special episode where we look at the Giro d'Italia and I'm joined by, come quite regular, Marcus Cooley from St George Continental Team. G'day, good to be back. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, and special guest, uh, David Hunter, the cycling mole, the um, irredoubtable voice of cycling on the internet who um, doesn't, doesn't mind having an opinion or two. G'day, David. How's it going, Jamie? Good to be back. Yeah, going well. What about yourself? Um, how, how's your time been? Enjoying? Did you enjoy the Spring Classics? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think Gilbert was probably my favourite moment, uh, along with some Van Avermaet wins. Uh, but Spring Classics were definitely more exciting than usual. I think I'm loving the, the attacking racing, the, the, the attacking from kind of 50, 60k to go. That's that's right up my street. Oh, there was one thing I wanted to talk about before we jumped into the actual analysis of the, you know, Rouge and the teams and the riders and all that, um, was this new descending competition. I mean, uh, I'm all for shaking up the format a bit, but what, what are your guys' opinions on um, a competition specifically centred around descending? Uh, Marcus? Uh, look, it's. I don't think it's the smartest idea. It's definitely not one of the safest... Uh, safest thing they can do and from a rider's perspective I definitely wouldn't want to be part of it but yeah I mean the the Giro is known for having the strange sort of competitions they've had them they've had them for years so um, I'll, I'll be interested to see if it actually goes ahead after quite a heavy backlash from a lot of the riders on social media but um, I might reserve all judgment until the end of the end of the race I think there's enough excitement already you know, you've got the pink jersey, KOM, sprints. I think it's probably unnecessary. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that sort of um, analysis. I mean, we do see plenty of racing downhill as it is, um, but this seem, this will be an almost artificial uh, way of trying to provoke that. And it, as you say, in some cases, it won't be safe. So, yeah, I mean, I, I applaud them for the idea and maybe there's something in there, but... At the moment, the current the current timed segments that they're they're proposing wouldn't be yeah, wouldn't be safe and wouldn't be particularly interesting either because you don't get that cathartic thing of somebody going over the line first and you have to instead wait until the times come in before you realise who's actually won, much to the viewing or to the or to the safety of the race. Anyway, okay, well we'll take a little break and we shall be back with a quick look at the course for the Giro this year. Okay, and we are back looking at the course for the Giro d'Italia. And it, in the 100th edition of the Giro, it is really a course which goes all over Italy. Um, not quite to every region, but um, it goes starts off in Sardinia, goes uh, over to Sicily for a bit, and then just goes all the way up the spine of Italy. It's quite a... Um, an all-encompassing route, I'd say. There's a lot of, there's a bit of everything uh, in there for the sprinters, for the punchers, for the climbers, for the time trialists as well. So it will be a course which showcases the race for everyone, I'd say. Um, David, is that how you saw the route? Yeah, fairly. I don't know. The 70 kilometres of TT is obviously an awful lot compared to recent Grand Tours. However, that last week is. Is fairly brutal. It's about as hard as you can probably get, uh, and will really kind of hurt Dumoulin and you know the other kind of big TT riders. So it's a it's a good route. I mean, I like the fact we're starting down in Sardinia. We're staying almost within Italy the whole time, uh, and being the hundredth edition of the Giro, it's it's bound to be an absolute cracker of a race. Yeah, um, let's talk about a few of those key stages there. There's almost, as you said, there's a 40k uh, time trial on stage 10 there, uh, which is over a bit more of a hilly route, though I still think the time trial specialists are going to put quite a bit of time in there. 
And then on the final stage, there's a 27.8-kilometre uh, uh, run into Milan there, um, for which we've seen before in the past. Um, from, from memory, it was when Ryder Heijadal um, is there um, on the end and uh, dashed, that, <laughs> dashed the Spaniards' hopes of taking that uh, elusive Grand Tour win. Yeah, Marcus, how decisive do you reckon that uh, TT, uh, those TTs are going to be? Uh, yeah, the the longer time trialling, it's going to play obviously quite a big role in the outcome of the, the GC. Um, I'm actually a bit of a fan of having a bit more TTs. Um, the Giro is uh, stereotypically the hardest, the Grand Tour in the mountains. It's normally got quite uh, the most climbing in terms of metres by a substantial amount. So uh, to open it up a bit more to the likes of uh, Dumoulin and even uh, Bob Youngles, um, it's going to keep it keep it a lot more interesting in my opinion um especially because of the back the back uh end of the last week being so tough you're going to go into that final week probably with a bit more of an open race uh than it has been sort of in the past sometimes david yeah um does this does it swing the balance in the favor of somebody like a tom dumoulin well, if he's going to win a grand tour, this this would be it. I think I don't think he's going to get a better opportunity. Obviously, two years ago in the Vuelta, he was very very close. He just failed on the the final mountain stage and was unlucky, I suppose. Looking back at that field, it wasn't the it didn't have the same kind of climbing quality as this one does. Uh, he's been spending an awful long time trying to make that transition now from TT rider to. Grand Tour contender, and this will be a real test to see if I think that's ever going to happen. Uh, for me, I, I still don't think he's he's going to win this race. I think he's going to be found short in the mountains because we do have some of the best climbers we've had in the last 10 years, say in the Giro. We've got Quintana, we've got Nibali, two riders who have won multiple Grand Tours and are really going to test them. Uh, we've got, what, five, six mountain top finishes. Some of those are incredibly difficult. The finish the blockhouse, uh, which is stage number nine, is a real brutal climb. It's kind of 10K, about 8%. So he's going to be tested. And we've seen before in Grand Tours, the final stage when it's a time trial, usually it's the, the rider who is already ahead on GC who does really well. So there's no guarantee that he's going to have anything left come that final stage. But as I said, if he's going to win one, this is going to be it. Yeah, looking at the rest of the course as well, I mean, you did mention some of uh, some of that incredibly high climbing, but we go over passes like the Stelvio, which I think is the Chimacopi, or highest point in the in this year's race. And then there's Mount Etna, where a lot of riders go to do altitude training. Um, and there's climbs like the Motororo, and incredibly tough, you know, ascents where, as you said, the, the blockhouse, I think the final 10Ks there were, I think they were closer to 10%, weren't they, um, on that one? But it's it's some really tough climbing um, on a summit finish there. So, yeah, does, does that lend itself to any anyone in particular? I mean, obviously, with the altitude, you're thinking Colombians, you're thinking Nairo Quintana, um, advantaged in particular by the climbing that's offered here, uh, Marcus. Yeah, I'd agree with uh, probably probably Quintana. As soon as it gets to sort of the 10% type gradients and above that, um, I tend to think that it favours uh, the smaller guys quite a bit more. Uh, so maybe it'll be interesting to see how uh, Domenico Pozzavivo from uh, AG uh, 2R will work, go in the mountains as well. Yeah, fair enough, David. Yeah, we've got the... We've got the guys freed up from Tour de France duties. So Pino, who is a prodigiously talented climber, has struggled to cope with the pressure of being the firm home favourite in the Tour recently. Uh, I'm really interested to see how he goes. He's such a consistent week-long performer. Uh, we have the, the two Sky Riders, Thomas and Landa. Uh, so, yeah, Landa in particular, if he can get going, like he did a couple of years ago, he'll be he'll be on fire. Yeah, well, we'll continue to a, a discussion of the teams and the favourites uh, now, and we'll come back on the other side of the break with that.
Okay, we are back and we're talking, we'll talk the teams first and uh, what they're hoping to come out with of, of this um, Jira. Uh, we'll do like a quick a quick um, run through of each team, uh, just with your, your thoughts on, on each. And we'll try and go through the top teams first and the later on. So if anyone gets a bit bored by this section of the podcast, which hopefully you're not, hopefully you're, you're diehards like us and you want to know about Gazprom was fellow and how much we hate them. Um, but, uh, yeah, well, I'll put in a little timestamp here where you can fast forward to get to the bit where we make, start making some predictions. Okay, guys, if you want to jump forward, go to 57 minutes, 20 seconds for the prediction. Okay. Um, so starting off with the team of the outright favourite, uh, Nairo Quintana. Um, it's a very strong team. Obviously, Nairo Quintana's in it. But they've also got Andre Amador, who has been fourth here in the in the past in 2015 and eighth last year um you know anacona uh, who's a good very good climber in his own right you know gorka is jj rojas rory sutherland i mean these guys are going to be the big team in the mountains right guys yeah for sure um they'll definitely be up the front uh just as you see sort of in the iden classics they'll um They'll be riding. They'll be riding toward the front, riding good position, riding well. Um, we've got Rory Sutherland in there from Australia as well, so he's just come off a good Arden campaign. Um, but yeah, when uh, you get the longer mountain stages, you'd expect them to have quite a few riders left uh, towards the the end of the stage as well. As you mentioned, Amador, I think he's top ten here two years in a row. Anacona, I remember. Couple of years back, helping Quintana up. Abduez, uh, you would imagine in a group of maybe fifteen riders at the end, movie star with of three, uh, puts them in a very strong position. Moving on, and I'm not sure who the consensus um, second favourite is here, but I'll, I'll say the Orca Scott boys um, with Adam Yates have to be up there um, in any consideration. Not quite the strength of a team like Movistar, but they've got a split ambition with Caleb Ewan coming from sprints. Um, Caleb Ewan's lead out, we're probably looking at Luka Medskek and Alexander Edmondson, who's been very good recently. Um, yeah, Marcus, do we do we see that uh, split focus hurting them here? Or what do you see? Yeah, definitely. Um, you, I think it's been proven quite a few times you can't go in uh, to a, a grand tour with a serious GC focus when uh, half your half your team's roster is going to be paying attention to the sprint. So, yeah, I think it, it could hurt them at the end. Um, but it'll. I'm I'm very interested to see how Caleb's going to go um, in the sprints, especially backed up by Edmondson, who's been on fire in the last uh, few weeks. I think it's a real shame his his brother's not riding. Uh, I think the two of them together would have posed a, a real massive threat to the other squads. It looks a bit on the weak side. Plaza did a great job last season uh, for Chavez. They've got Verona, who's a, who's a decent climber. Uh, but as Marcus mentioned, having the split focus is, is bad news uh, for Yates. I would have expected more. You know, fourth place in the Tour last season. I would have fully expected Orica to come in with a team totally here to back him. Now, you look at the other big GC teams, Movistar, No Sprinter, Sky, No Sprinter, FDG, No Sprinter. Uh, I think Yates is well within reason to be asking a few questions of the management at Orica, Scott. Yeah, they're almost a victim of their own success, aren't they? Because Caleb Ewan's been going so well and he deserves um, a full backing at a, at a Grand Tour one of these days. And the Yates brothers, Chavez... Brooksiger could arguably argue for leadership at one of these races. So they've got to balance that all out. Um, how do we see Adam Yates going um, in the in the overall? Are we, are we thinking that he can upset the apple cart here? He could definitely podium, I think. Yeah, I, I yep. can't see him winning with uh, that much time trialling in the, in the race this year. But, yeah, he can be on the podium at the end for sure. He's proven that with his uh, ride in the tour last year. Yeah, well, he's definitely improved his time trialing. But anyway, we shall get on to that a bit later. Um, who should we move on to now? How about Team Sky with Mikael Landa and uh, Gary Thomas, who's kind of snuck under the radar a bit um, in terms of 
GC predictions. Um, they've also got you know a strong team because it's Team Sky. Diego Rosa, who, who's one of my favourite riders at the moment, but hasn't quite turned it on yet at Team Sky. So maybe we'll see him come into some good form here. Uh, Kenny Elson, both, and you know a number of other um, strong names that are going to support that bid there. Um, David, uh, what what are the rumblings from within Britain? How how are Team Sky going to go in a race they've been uh, normally pretty awful in? Yeah, they don't have a great history with Giro. Thomas, uh, Landa, it was always meant to be cool leadership right from the start of the season. Thomas has totally outshone him so far this year. He was very close to catching Quintana uh, in the Terminalo. Uh, he won Tour of Alps. Landa has almost started to turn things around. He was also very strong in, in the Alps race, so almost justifying cool leadership. Thomas is a three-week contender. Most people in Britain would probably still question whether or not he is good enough in the high mountains over three weeks to, to go and justify that. Landa has the talent but has not delivered for Sky since joining them. Uh, but if both of them are on form and they are together in a final group of kind of six to ten riders, then they are two seriously dangerous riders to have. Landa, in particular, if he can get that 2015 Giro form back, uh, he would be a big threat to Quintana on the, the kind of real steep climbs. Yeah, true. Um, you got anything to add there, Marcus? Yeah, all a little bit just to add to that as well. The way um, Hanau's sort of been uh, riding, I could you could see him sort of being up there as a third rider towards the end of the... Over the the top of mountain stages with him, so that could give him um, quite a few options. Having three riders in a in a smaller group as well, so it's a strong squad for sure. Yeah, so Sebastian Hanau even. I haven't been following his form as, as much as Sergio or one of the major guys. Um, I just think being you no know, a smaller rider, Colombian as well, like he can be there on form at um, the end. Not not necessarily for a result himself, but just a, as a support rider. Definitely watch Rosa. He's a big he's a big threat and could definitely be up for stage or two in his home race. Um, team Lotto NL Jumbo, um, the team of the, the uh, Stephen Kreuzberg, uh had the Giro in the palm of his hand last year before crashing, of course, spectacularly um, on the on that descent there into the snow and unfortunately fading to finish fourth there after sustaining some injuries. Um, can he can he um, take his rightful victory from last year <laughs> this time around of the Giro? Um, not the strongest team, unfortunately, with him, but he's proved that he didn't exactly need a strong um, setup last year when he was doing well and the time trial kilometers won't hurt him too much so it'll be interesting to see what's his can he take the win this time around uh, David what's your what's your thinking I'll be bold I'll say yes I think he is the the only rider potentially who can beat Quintana 70 kilometers of time trial remember back to the, the mountain TT last year where he was only beaten by let's just say performance of the century from uh, your Gazprom friend uh, only worry was he crashed really hard opening stage tour of Yorkshire on Friday uh, he went down in the big sprint he hasn't broken anything he did have a, a kind of test run on the Saturday he was on the front of the peloton driving just to see if everything was okay he came through that but they decided that he would not take part on the final stage and he would have an extra day's rest so they're saying he's okay but it was a very hard crash which is a real shame because he's just finished a, a three-week block of training at uh, uh, Mount Tiedi in Tenerife and everything was pointing in the right direction. Form was as good as last season if not better. So if he has recovered, if he is 100%, I think he is, he is a real contender for this race. His team, they are weaker than some of the others but I would say they're stronger than last season. Uh, They've got Steph Clement, they've got Jürgen Vandenbroek, they've got Victor Campanertz. So they the team have, have invested to put more mountain guys around Kreuzweg, uh, but he, he does need to be 100% fit, of course, to, to get anywhere near Quintana. Yeah, that's true. But none of those guys are really uh, final 
final group quality in you know when they're when they're punching on the mountains apart from maybe Vanderbrook maybe he'll adapt to his supporter role a bit better than his GC leader role um Marcus um David brought up an interesting point there about the preparation for these three week and we and we see a number of um different options from riders go in here um what what do you think um of the preparation of some of these top top stars coming in um, yeah, there's a few different um, approaches, or yeah, that basically either going to, to altitude or sort of racing at um, a tour of the the Alps has been, or a combination of the two. So um, yeah, uh, I think that well, Nabali proved last year that um, uh, you don't need a lot of racing going in. He's just uh, had a bit of a gap after his Croatia, so. Um, yeah, there's uh, depends on the individual. I think there's more. There's a few different ways that they're going to approach it. Yeah, uh, speaking of Nibali, um, probably time to talk about the um, the guy who's won all all three of the Grand Tours. Uh, Bahrain, the Rita Pro Cycling Team, is headlined by Vincenzo Nibali, and they've they've done quite they've done quite well this season. I think a lot of people, uh, probably yourself included, David. Um, had some knocks on them coming in this year with a sort of cobbled together squad, but they've they haven't been awful, and um, they come in here with probably their highest ambitions for the Grand Tours this season. They've got names like Giovanni Visconti, uh, Enrico Gasparotto, Franco Pelizzotti, uh, a blast from the past there as well. David, what's your opinion on the squad? I don't think they've done that well. They've almost got lucky that Cobrelli's taken a couple of big wins which has saved the results so far. Nibali won Croatia but that was against an incredibly weak uh, field. He comes here, you've mentioned him, he's got Visconti uh, in his mountain chain he'll have Svitsu, he'll have Pelizzotti which is you know it's not even in the same ballpark as he arrived last season. He had Kangert and he had Michele Scarponi if it wasn't for Scarponi, he probably wouldn't have won the race. Now, he doesn't have anywhere near the same level of support, and Nibali is a rider who needs that level of support. He needs the mountain train to make it a tough, tough race. So I'm looking at that team and thinking he's going to have to try something different. He's also got some added pressure. The race visits his hometown, Messina, uh, stage five, which is the stage after Etna. Uh, you would imagine that he would want to be in that pink jersey uh, going into his hometown, then they would have the added pressure of having to try and defend it and he would have to try and maintain his form for the, the rest of the, the race. So I don't think he's going to win it this season. I, I just don't think he's his team is good enough to support him and I don't think he can beat Quintana. Um, jumping into some of the, the Dutch stars coming now and we've got Tom Dumoulin down here from Team Sunweb and... It was it was frightening because he he went that well in the 2015 Vuelta España when he wasn't even really targeting it um, according to himself and now he's said yes I'm a Grand Tour rider and I'm going to go in trying to win this race. Uh, what what is his ceiling as a Grand Tour rider? Because I think everyone's been super impressed by his climbing ability to date and when you chuck on that time trialing prowess, formidable rider surely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's uh, still only 26 years of age, so it would be pretty reasonable to assume that he's going to be still improving each year for for the next couple of years at least. So he's had a reasonably um, good but uh, quiet start to the season. He hasn't done a lot of racing this year. He's, um, I think it's just uh, Torino, Adriatico and maybe um, Abu Dhabi that he's... Um, that he's raced in for tours this year, but he's done reasonably well. He was definitely up there in Strada Bianco, which is a while ago now, but he's he's a wild card, I'd say. He's got the power on um, on the TT and the the, the, the the shallower climbs, but I think when it gets steep, he's going to suffer, especially in the, the third week of the race. We saw him crack on the last day in the Vuelta, so maybe maybe a similar sort of thing will happen this year. Yeah, we still don't know. I mean, you mentioned the 2015 Vuelta. He was really close. Last season, he came in. He wore the pink jersey after winning the opening uh, TT. Uh, he had to abandon the race. 
He then goes to the Tour, not to ride for GC, but he, he still wins a mountain stage. Then he has another bad crash, uh, and he, he couldn't quite recover for, for Rio. Uh, this season, he does look good on kind of week-long races with one climb. Uh, he, he's got a good record in that. Uh, I'm thinking back to the, the start of the season in the Abu Dhabi Tour. He did, he did quite well. He did quite well in uh, Terreno. But still, we don't know over the three weeks how he's going to cope. He is an awfully big guy to cope with the demands of a, a third week that we have against the smaller riders like Quintana. That, that's my worry. His team's much better. Now they do have uh, more support for him compared to what they've had in the past. So he's got like Lawrence Tendam for earlier on. He's got Kelderman. He's got Jörg Priedler. So he's got a relatively good team. But I suppose his idea will be to nail the first time trial and get as big a lead as possible and then just go on the defensive uh, in the final week. I mean, if all goes according to plan, you would imagine he does wear the pink jersey after the time trial on stage 10 and he'll probably keep it into that final week. And as I've seen before, if you're riding with the leader's jersey, it gives you that little bit extra as well. So I don't think he'll win, but I'm interested to see what he can actually do. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm increasingly talking myself into Tom Dumoulin being able to take the win because I think he's going to take, you know, three to four minutes on most of the contenders over those time trialing kilometres. I mean, some of the stronger guys will be a bit closer, but that's a lot of time to be made up in the mountains and Dumoulin's, you know, just as good as most of them in, in the climbs. Sure, he's probably not going to attack and take people... Um, and take too much time, but he's a solid grinding rider, and it's going to be hard for open up gaps on him. Anyway, um, we shall move on. And who's a, who's a good next team to go for? Trek's taking photo now, and they're coming in with a bit of a split focus with Valka Molina and Giacomo Nizzolo. I'm not sure Nizzolo really warrants a split split focused anymore. I mean, he's been good here in the past, but his form coming in hasn't been great. And there are better sprinters here. But then again, um, most of them have pulled out by the end of the Giro. So Nitello probably will get a chance to win a stage or two. Falco uh, Molina, um, interesting rider. Where where do you see his ceiling in this race? Um, can he go all the way? Or is he going to be a bit, a bit outclassed here? He's an interesting one because we usually see him at the Tour. He's been there four times in the row he's finished between 6th and 11th I mean you don't do that unless you're an incredibly talented climber he's usually seen on the back of the the favourites group grinding up the final climb you know he he shows a lot of determination he arrives with it kind of looks like the Contador rejects team he's got Jesus Hernandez uh, he's got Peter Stettiner who's a better quality of rider he's going to be isolated he's going to be by himself but looking at his Tour de France history, there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that he should be challenging for top five, I think. I mean, he's a really talented climber. And, yeah, I think I think he can go well. Yeah, he was climbing with Froome and Port um, in that second week, in particular, of the Tour there. And it was only really... Uh, Tour last year, rather. And it was only really those that final stage where he crashed and um, couldn't quite make it back on to that group where he lost a lot of time and that really hurt his overall GC. Um, Marcus, what are, you, what are your thoughts on, on Molina? Uh, yeah, I'd probably, um, I don't think he's going to be there on the podium, but uh, definitely sort of around 5th fifth to 10th fifth to region. Um, he certainly surprised me as, uh, at, the, at the Tour last year with his performances uh, in the mountains. Um, until then, I'd always had him as uh, one of the riders that sort of fills out the, the back half of the top 10 at just about every Grand Tour, he, um, he enters an amazingly consistent rider, definitely hugely talented. But um, if he can bring the climbing form he had in July last year, then um, maybe he could push up into the top five. Yep. Um, Bob Jungels, he, his quick step floors team, that could be a bolter for... Um, uh, for contention in the GC. Um, and the time trial in kilometres will be right up his alley, you think. It's not the strongest team in terms of 
of climbing ability there. I mean, they've got some talented youngsters like Lawrence Deplus, who's obviously a phenomenal, phenomenal talent. And they're, again, one of these teams who've got a bunch of sprinters with Fernando Gaviria uh, and uh, Riquesa, who will be leading him out a lot. Yeah, another team with a split focus, but I'm pretty excited to see how um, how Bob Youngles is going to go. He's um, sort of uh, following the path of uh, Dumoulin. He's a bit younger, though, um, so I'd love to see him put in a solid performance as well. I think he's got it in him, but I, I think it's going to be for the back half of the top 10. Yeah, his performance last season was a big surprise. He is awfully young. You know, we're, we're talking about Dumoulin trying to change his his position in the cycling world from TT rider to Grand Tour contender. And two years later, he's still not quite there. Jungles has not been going at this as long and he's probably carrying more weight than Dumoulin, I would imagine, looking at both of them. So I, th- I think he'll, he'll find it really challenging. But it'll be interesting to see where he is uh, and if he is trying to make that transition over to Grand Tour rider. Okay, we'll speed it up a bit as we go through the rest of them. Um, though perhaps that's a bit on being a bit unfair on AG to Le Mondia. They often show themselves well at the Giro, and they're bringing Domenico Pozzavivo here, the professor, um, because he's got an economics degree, which and education is a bit um, <laughs> isn't isn't the priority of many within the pro peloton. And um, he'll be joined by a strong team of sort of outside hopes for stage wins with guys like uh, Matteo Monteguti, um, Alexandra Geniez, a guy like Hubert Dupont who could possibly take um, a stage on a breakaway or something like that. Um, Pots Vivo, it's been a while since he's been right up there and he's getting on a bit now. Can he, can he recapture some of that old magic? Well, I think he's five times in the top ten of the Giro, but um, we haven't sort of seen him up the, towards the pointy end since 2014. He's come off a pretty strong tour of the Alps, um, third on GC there. So if he's climbing well, the steep stuff's going to suit him. But, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't really see him in the top five. He's probably going to be animating the mountains, but I think sort of the fifth to tenth region as well if he's there at the end still. Yeah, I will say it's his best form since the 2015 Giro, where, of course, he crashed out in that horrific incident. And I'm, I'm surprised he managed to get up from that as quickly as he did. But uh, anyway, um, and yeah, his form is as good as it's um, been in a few years now. So this is probably his last hurrah as a GC rider. And uh, David, what's your opinion on whether he can, you know, get back up to challenging again? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see it, but I'm actually concerned that he was so good in Tour of Alps because considering his lack of form in, in recent seasons, him holding that form from now until the end of the Giro is is really difficult. So, yeah, I think he'll probably start strong and then he'll fade. Fair enough. Um, Astana now, and obviously racing a man down as a tribute to Michele Scarponi who was, you know, tragically taken from us a few weeks ago. Um, it's a pity because Scarponi was going really well coming into this and he would have been a GC leader and, you know, would have been um, up there in these in these talks we're having. Um, so instead, they're going to be more of a, a stage hunting team you'd, you'd consider. Um, guys like Tanel Kangert, um, Andre Zeitz, uh, Dario Cataldo, Pelo Bilbao, they're all going to be up there, and Lewis Leon Sanchez as well, they're all going to be up there um, looking for stage victories. Um, is that how you see the team, David? Yeah, yeah, I think so. No real GC hope. Uh, somebody might chase the King of the Mountains jersey or, or stage wins, but yeah, that'll be it, I think. And obviously they're riding with a lot of sadness on their shoulders and, and that won't be easy for the team, I don't think. I think the whole three weeks will be a, a fair challenge for them. Yeah, well, it'll be an emotional time if they can take a stage win, uh, Mark. Um, Bardiani CSF, um, they're a local team who gets the wild card for the Giro, um, certainly for the last few years at least, and they normally come up with a stage win. In uh, recent seasons, it has been uh, Nicola Boehm, and last year was the youngster, uh, Guilio uh, Ciccione, who uh, took a very surprising win there as he popped out of seemingly nowhere to take that, that victory. Um, they've got a sprinter in Nicola Raponi and 
probably Stefano Perazzi is their best chance for maybe a breakaway win on one of the mountain stages. David? Yeah, I think they've won a stage every year since 2012. They have a young team. Perazzi is the the madman, the one that we love to watch because he'll just attack and attack and attack. He's the rider you would hate to be with in a breakaway because he does all the things you're not supposed to do. Uh, he's he's the, the, the chance for a breakaway win. You mentioned Ciccone. Most of his season has been disrupted by injury, which was a shame because last season he was incredibly strong taking a mountaintop victory. Uh, Ruffoni has no chance of winning a sprint. Yeah, well, he's technically a sprinter. Uh, Marcus, what, what's your thinking? Yeah, more or less along the same lines. Um, you'll see him animating the breakaway um, and going for the stage wins that way. Um, otherwise, there's not you're not going to see a lot of them. Yeah, well, you will certainly get used to their rather odd kit, which is just a mishmash of colours, um, of quite bright colours at least. Um, yep, so we shall move on now to BMC and, of course, the Australian GC hope. Or is he really a GC hope? Well, we'll see. And is he even the GC leader? Questions? Uh, David, uh, Van Garderen or Dennis, who would be your GC leader coming into this one? I think Van Garderen would have a... A massive fit if he couldn't even get GC leader at the Giro after Port kicked him out of the tour. So Van Garderen, GC leader, Dennis to go as long as he can. I think Dennis is, he's mentioned that he wants to test himself. He wants to see how far he can go following the theme of TT rider turn GC contender. Uh, Dennis is a great climber. I hope to see him in contention right up into that third week, but I don't see him lasting. Van Garderen seems to have a phobia of three-week races recently, so BMC could be left disappointed. Mm. Well, Rowan Dennis is a special athlete. We've known that in Australia for a long time now, and he's turned his attention to the GC focus. Um, Marcus, will it be this year for Dennis, or is he gonna? Is he? Is it just developing this year? And the best we can hope for is just some good signs. Yeah, it's going to be looking for good signs this year. Uh, I think he's still too big. He's still time trialing too well to be a, a serious contender in the, in the mountains. But he's a pretty determined character, so I think we will see quite a few signs of progress towards his end goal. But uh, definitely TJ is going to be um, the one one leading BMC. He's, he's in a contract year. It's about time that he sort of has to has to get a result if he wants to to stay with BMC or find a team that is going to back him to lead Grand Tours. Yeah, I'll be very interested to see how Dennis goes in that third week. Um, that's sort of unknown territory for him, and it'll be you know, the real test of whether he can be that um, GC rider in the future. Okay, moving on to Bora Hansgrohe now. And we're looking at essentially sprinters for them. Uh, we've got Sam Bennett and Matteo Paluki. Probably um, got the form edge on um, Paluki so far, but that's only because Paluki's done next to nothing so far this year. Um, Bennett has been was quite impressive out here in Australia. He took, um, took a criterium sort of win and then and since then he's uh, won another stage as well at Paris Nice. Um David, I know you're a Bennett fan. Um can he step up to winning, you know, Grand Tour stages now? Yeah, yeah. He's 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 served his time. He's he's done two Tour de France where he hauled his ass and bike and everything else around France for as long as possible. First time two years ago abandoned uh, near the end, last season, despite crashing, got all the way to Paris, finished last man overall on GC, but that experience will do him well. This season, you mentioned his win in Paris-Nice, which was huge because he beat the best sprinters in the world. He's already done two blocks at altitude this season, which is relatively uh, new for a sprinter. Uh, he's following the Sagan approach. They're going out to Sierra Nevada in America. He's just back from his second block of altitude. I think he's going to go incredibly well, and I think he'll take a stage win at some point in the race. And apart from that, they've got the riders like Jan Barter and Jose Mendes, who you know used to maybe do something. Marcus, what do you think of the team? Yeah, I think they're going to be sort of um, completely focusing on Bennett in the sprint. I think. 
I would agree he's going to be definitely a contender for, for a stage. He's, he's, he's very quick. Um, and if he's been putting in, in the work, then, um, yeah, I, I think he can pull off a stage win at last in a Grand Tour after his first World Tour victory earlier in the year. Yeah, my one concern, David, is Paluki. I don't, I don't think he'll do lead out. I'm surprised to see him there. Uh, I'm not sure where he'll fit into the lead out train, but it certainly won't be last man. He'll be further down, maybe fourth, uh, kind of hitting 2K to go, just trying to stretch them out. They do have quite a good train. Uh, the other guys you mentioned there are, are big and strong, Barta, Muhlberger, Postelberger, uh, but Bennett's lead-out man will be Selig, very experienced uh, rider, unsure where Puluki fits in, to be honest. Yep. Um, we shall move on now to Cannondale Drapak. And I, I want to like Cannondale Drapak. They've got a lot of you know interesting, good riders who can climb, they can do a bit of everything. And they're, they're seemingly very close to taking a bunch of wins, but they just, they're just struggling to really uh, break through and um, take a few wins in a row. Um, Formolo, uh, Joe Dabrowski, Pierre Roland, David Villela, uh, Michael Woods, TJ Slachter, Hugh Carthy, who I know you're a big fan of, David. Um, what, what, what's, their, what's their interest in this race? I mean, how are they going to go about um, getting team animators, David? Formolo will be backed all the way as team leader, ninth in the Vuelta last season. That was his breakthrough result. He's won a Giro stage previously, but that was his first real time going for the, uh, the GC, and ninth was a brilliant uh, position for him. As you mentioned, they're full of real attacking riders. I am... Um, Excited to see how my big pal Hugh Carthy can get on. Had a tough time at the Vuelta last season on his Grand Tour debut. He'll have learned from that and he's coming in. He's hoping to win a stage, but he's hoping to, to do a good ride in support of his team. Michael Woods, watch out for him. Um, will do. Uh, Marcus, who, who grabs your eye out of, out of that lineup there? Uh, yeah, aside from uh, Formolo, um, going for for the breaks, you'll see Dombrowski, Smallmolo uh, for the GC, you'll see Dombrowski probably in a few breaks. I'm actually interested to see how David Vanella is um, going to go as well, if he's going to get any opportunity to sort of uh, go for a stage win himself. He's got some pretty strong one-day results in the past, especially last year. I think he was fifth at Lombardia, won the Japan Cup. So he's... Um, up there for a stage win, maybe most likely from a breakaway, I'd say. Yeah, certainly a dangerous rider, and if you've got ambitions for the stage, you don't want to see Vilea next year. Um, CCC, Swandy Polkovica, um, they're the orange team, and I'm not sure that we'll see too much from them this year, though they do have some interesting riders. Jan Hurt um, is an inconsistent climber, but when he's good, he can poach maybe a stage or, you know, some decent podium position. Uh, Masej Kuturski, attacking rider who hasn't really come on from his amazing 2015, where he looks really promising. And we've got some young riders like uh, Mikhail Schlegel and Felix Groschartner as well. Now, I'm struggling with these names on these guys, guys. Um, David, quick, quick hit on CC. See you have to make up the numbers. Yeah, Marcus. Yeah, you gotta, you, you're right. It's got to make up the numbers. So they'll they'll be looking for breakaways and I don't think you'll really see them otherwise. Yeah. Um, FDJ, he's a major contender that I managed to avoid in our um, discussion of them earlier. Uh, Thibaut Pinot, uh, can the Frenchman, surprisingly going away from the Tour de France um, with his French team, can he um, maybe take... Um, a win in the Giro d'Italia this year. Um, he's he's improved his time trialing out of sight from, from what it was, and you know one of the best climbers in the peloton, David. Well, he's I think he's the only man in the world to have beaten Valverde in Spain this season, so that that must go for something. Uh, form is good. Mentioned them earlier. Away from the pressure of riding the tour in front of his home fans, I think it's good for him. FDG full focus. Uh, he's got Reichen back, outstanding domestic, Morabito, uh, Rudy Mollard, Ludvigsen. He's a real deal. Uh, I think he's a podium contender, 
Marcus? Yeah, just have to agree again. Uh, he'll be there for the podium. He's um, he, We've seen him develop each year and then sort of been struck down on a stage or two at the at the tour for one particular incident and bounced back. But I think if he can keep it all together for the three weeks, he's he's going to be a serious contender for, the, for even the win. Um, another team we'll do a quick hit on, uh, Gazprom's Bella, and they have stage winner from last year, Alexander Filikarov, who took out the mountain time trial. And, yeah, that was an unexpected result. Um Sergei Firstenov as well might do something on PC. Ivan Savitsky is a young sprinter, but I don't know. I can't get behind. Um, yeah, I was, yeah, was going to say, uh, Fofanoff, I think he's just won the Mountains classification at the Alps. Um, it'll be interesting to see where their form is at, to say the least. But um, yeah, they've, chose, they've shown they can win, but um, through what methods, I wonder. I would echo that. Uh, won the TT on a on a heavy Colnago TT bike, where he didn't even bother to take off his uh, his bottle holders. So go back yeah. and go back and have a look at that stage. You can see quite clearly he's still got his bottle holders on the bike. I think that tells you everything you need to know about that victory. Well, thankfully, we're moving on from there. A lot of Seagal. Adam Hansen, he's up to, I think it's 19 Grand Tours in a row. I've lost my nuts, unfortunately. Um, he's, you know, just the Iron Man of the Peloton at the moment. Um, but they'll be all in for Andre Greipel, you would suggest, and that's only how the team looks. There's a lot of veterans in this team. They're bringing, uh, they're bringing the retirement home along with them here. Uh, with guys like uh, Lars Zak, Thomas Mashinsky, Bart Klerk. Uh, Maxime Montfort. So uh, eventually it goes home. I'm not sure what they're going to be doing in this Giro, David. Yeah, a lot of experience, but real inexperience in crucial positions. No Greg Henderson. Moreno Hoffland will probably fill that role, transitioning from sprinter to lead out man without. He's not really ridden much with Greipel at all yet this season. So it's going to be difficult. They're not just going to walk in and and have the same lead out like they've had before. Even before him, they've got Sean Debye, Jasper Deboist. So it's not the most experienced lead out train Greipel's ever had. He won't complete the race. He'll maybe do two weeks and then he'll go, but he would still expect to win some stages. Yeah, we've seen this from Greipel before. He comes for, he comes for the early sprint stages, then he leaves so he can freshen up the tour a bit later on. Um, though he's probably the class sprinter coming in here. I mean, I'm not sure... Um, if we prefer the young Australian Caleb Young, um, Marcus, what are your thoughts? Yeah, he'll do two weeks. He'll grab a stage win and um, the rest of the team will search for breakaways. Um, Hoffland, maybe towards the end, can can have a dig at the sprints as well. But um, that's sort of the only time you're going to see him, I would say. Yeah. Um, I mentioned data now. Um, teammate, uh, team of... Australian Nathan Haas, who uh, I think we all agree did very well at the uh, um, Ardennes Classics this year, and he's really shown that he could, you know, take that step up and get to the point where he's winning the really big races now. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him up there for one of the stages at least in this Giro. And we've got guys like uh, Omar Freile, who's coming in with very good form. Uh, Kristen Spragley, who might be good for some of the sprints, and apart from that, maybe Ryan Gibbons. He can he can certainly sprint a bit as well. Um, David, what's your thinking on the squad there? Yeah, Haas is having the best season of his career. You know, there are a couple of stages here that certainly suit him, so he'll be looking to try and take a stage win. Excited to see Fraile. He was insane at the weekend in Tour de Yorkshire. Could have easily won. Let his teammate win. He he has crazy form. Two-time winner of the KOM jersey in the Vuelta. Stage win, I think, for him. Yeah, the picture um, from the Tour de Yorkshire was, or Tour of Yorkshire, anyway, um, was interesting because um, which uh, which of his teammates won? Serge Powell. Oh. Serge Powell was, yeah, was wishing his teeth going to the line. And uh, Freire was just laughing and, uh, and, and celebrating in the background as uh, Powell's drove to the line there. 
Uh, Marcus, um, any opinions on Dimension Depth? Uh, yeah, they, they're going to be going for stages. I'm quite excited to see how uh, Ryan Gibbons is going to go. He's a super young rider. He's still only 22 years of age. But I think in the sprints, uh, he'll, he'll, he'll be around. But just in general, just to see his development. Other than that, yeah, they'll be going for stage wins. Yeah, young South African talent there. Very, uh, very interesting rider. Um, moving on to Team Katusha Alperson now. See the return of Ilnor Zakarin, who's been good in the Giro in the past, taking a stage win. Uh, dramatic circumstances from memory. He was solo for the last 30 or 40 kilometres there and showed a bit of class to win. He's an interesting rider. I mean, he could even be potentially in the GC conversation, but he just hasn't shown it so far this year, really. Um Apart from that, we've got riders like Jose Goncalves, uh, Robert Kieselowski, uh, Kochetkov, Kuznetsov, and, you know, names who, you know, maybe could do something, but it'd be a stretch to see them really dominating this race at all. Yeah, well, I think Zacharin was fifth on GC when he crashed out on stage 19 last year. So... I mean, he can he can hold it together. That was a I remember seeing that it was a pretty nasty crash that took him out of the race. Um, so he can definitely be sort of top five ish. I think it's a bit of a stronger field this year, but still around the fifth sort of position on GC if that's what he's targeting. Otherwise, he'll um, he'll run away with the stage. I'd say. Okay, David. Um, that's lofty expectations. Uh, expect- Expectations for Zachary than I had him pegged out at least. Um, what, what are your thoughts on him? I agree with Marcus. I think he's a genuine top five contender. Was outstanding last season. Very consistent rider usually. Uh, can TT, can climb well. After his crash, he went away and took an incredibly impressive victory at the Tour de France. Uh, I think he's a genuine top five, maybe even better contender. Okay, well, I was impressed with him at Paris Nice, but I haven't, I haven't seen too much to be impressed by since. So I was a bit on the fence, but I shall be um, happily corrected. Um, now we're really onto the final stretch here. Two more teams to go: uh, UAE Team Emirates, and of course, um, they are the home of one of my favourite riders, Rui Costa. Um, <laughs> but they've also got uh, guys like uh, Jan Palenk, uh, Matej Mohoric. And for the sprints, they've got uh, Sasha Modelo, who will probably be led out by Roberto Ferrari. And, yeah, they're, they're bringing a, a versatile team here, I'd say. Um, nobody in particular for GC, though maybe that's what Jan Polank wants to do in the future. Um, a team of probably attackers there who will also look to get, you know, Modelo up for the sprints. I think Costa will go as far as he can for the GC He's been winning week-long stage races this season. He's looked in incredible shape. Uh, he's not ever really fulfilled his GC promise in a three-week race, despite winning multiple stages. I think he'll go and he'll just see how far as he can go uh, and see where that goes. Sprint-wise, Madolo doesn't have enough support. Uh, he's only got Ferrari. Uh, I would like to see Mohoric get up the road a couple of days. He, he's an exciting young talent. Interesting there. Um, Costa... Um, as a actual GC rider, he's tried it before, hasn't really worked out. Um, but he wasn't great at the Ardennes, which you know probably suggests that he is building, that he is looking to do quite well here at the Giro. Um, Marcus, what are your what are your thoughts? Yeah, much of the same. Cost is going to see how long he can hang on for. Um, they'll uh, they'll have a bit of a nudge in the sprints, but they don't have uh, they don't have a, a really big name for any classification. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and finally, uh, Villa Trestina, um, another, yeah, another local team who will be looking to um, animate the race. You'd suggest they got Filippo Pozzato, who's certainly uh, um, of, an, of an animator. And for the sprints, they've got uh, Jacob Marechko. Um Marechko hasn't exactly set the world on fire when he goes to the bigger races, and I think we will. It'd be a big step up from for him to do that here. But apart from that, you got like Ilya Kochevoy, um, maybe maybe a guy like Matteo Passato to potentially win from a stage where it's a flat breakaway and you know the peloton gives him some leeway. Uh, David, any opinion on Willie Tristina? Uh, Marcheco is the king of China. 
He he can win every race in China, uh, not really anywhere else. His only result, big result this season, was when he managed to get in Kittle's wheel in Dubai, I think it was, and finished on the podium because he got a lovely slipstream in the, the sprint. A lot of promise has not lived up to it yet. Yeah, well, he's only young still. Uh, Marcus, what are your thoughts? I I think this can be his breakthrough at last. Um, he's quick. There's no doubt he's quick. I'd say he's one of the, the fastest two in the race or two or three in the race. So if you can actually get to the line, then he, he'll be on. He could could well be on for a stage week. Uh, stage win, as we said, he's the king of China. He's uh, he's destroyed uh, Tahu Lake in the past as well, especially one year when he walked away about six wins. He didn't make it past stage five last year, but uh, definitely if he can get to 200 metres to go, he's, he could be on for a win. Yeah, I'm, I'm not convinced he'll make it to many finishes. He's... he's... He's had trouble with distance. He's had trouble with hills. He's had trouble with pretty much, you know, pimples on the road. Um, I'm, not, I'm not entirely certain that we'll see too much of Moresco, but I like your, I like your face. Um, quick, a quick talk. Who are we expecting to be the dominant sprinter here? We're we thinking Greipel, Ewan, Gaviria. Um, who's the, who's the thought? If there's going to be a dominant one, maybe, uh, maybe it's going to be. Um... Uh, Greipel, otherwise I think it will be, uh, be shared around, but I think Greipel's the only one that's going to be able to walk away with multiple multiple wins. Um, yeah, I think probably Gaviria is going to be a real... I think he, I think he's about to take his star turn. I mean, he's obviously a star, but he's about to show that he can be a dominant one as well. Uh, David, what's your, what's your thoughts on this? Looking forward to seeing the first of many Grand Tour battles between Ewan and Gaviria, both the same age, and they're both 22. Interestingly, Ewan starts his third Grand Tour, Gaviria starts his first. It's been a different route in for both riders. You would say Gaviria probably has the best lead-out man here in Ricciese. I'm super excited to see what Gaviria can do, uh, but it is his first Grand Tour, so we, you can't put too much pressure on him. Greipel, I don't think he's going to boss the sprints. Looking around, it's not the strongest sprinter field we've ever had. Uh, Medolo, Nizzolo, Ewan, Gaviria, Greipel, yeah, I think we'll probably see it shared around. Yeah, it wasn't the strongest sprinter field, but it's definitely one of the strongest um, GC fields we've seen in the Giro for quite a long time. Um, time it's prediction time, boys. Who, who, do, we, who do we see um, ending up on the podium? Quintana... Pino and probably I'll, I'll go Thomas. Okay. Um, Marcus, who are you thinking? Quintana for the win. Nabali, I'm going to put in second. And I'm going to go real long shot with the eternal American hope, Van Garderen, for, for third. Yeah, it's just such an open race. Um, I think that uh, Stephen Kruijswijk for the win, Quintana second, and Dumoulin third. I think, yeah, I think the time trial and kilometers are going to have a big say, but we'll still we'll still see the climbers um, come to the fore. I think. Anyway. It will certainly be a very interesting race to watch, and I am thoroughly looking forward to it. Unfortunately, it won't be on SBS in Australia, and indeed, it won't be on. Um, well, it won't be on anyone except Eurosport um, anywhere in the world, which is okay if uh, you're in a country which has Eurosport as a free-to-air provider. But otherwise, you're going to have to pay for the coverage. Um, yeah, well, fair uh, play to Eurosport because I have uh, Foxtel being installed tomorrow. So, <laughs> they won. The play, the, yeah, they, they've they've won that one, uh, David. Um, yeah, it's a pity that we're not going to that it's not going to be available for masses, and I think we'll see the numbers down and um, and the interest down in you know the hundredth era, which should have been their showpiece for the event. Come on, Jamie, get the wallet out. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse. I refuse. I'm gonna I'm gonna be in SBS covering football though for you know the most most of the Giro, so I'll I'll. I'll switch it on when I've got the night shift in, in SBS. Anyway. 
Is there any, anything you're particularly looking forward to um, from the next few weeks of racing, uh, David, just to head us, leave us on? Well, Hugh Carthy to be in the white jersey. Okay, Marcus, what are you, what are you looking forward to? Just the general atmosphere and, and, and style of racing that you find in Italy. It's quite different from uh, what you see in, in July. Uh, it's a lot more open race, um, a lot more action. Um, and it's quite an interesting route. So just it, the general atmosphere of the race. Yeah, and I'll be looking forward to watching all the Australians going. They're, they've got a, an interesting bunch this year. So Caleb Ewan, Rowan Dennis, you know, what can they do in these Grand Tours? It'll be interesting to watch. So make sure you tune in. The Breakdown Podcast is sponsored by Out of the Rat Race Cycling Apparel, um, where you can pick up ecologically sustainable high-end kit, which is both odour-resistant and lovely to look at. So make sure you check it out at www.r.com.au. That's or.com.au. Make sure you join the conversation as well. You can chat to us uh, on Twitter at BreakdownPod. David, you're at CyclingMole. I am. Thoroughly interesting guy to follow, so make sure you give him... um, Give him a follow. And Marcus, you're not quite as active on the old Twitter, but um, you occasionally post some pictures of yourself racing with St. George Continental. Yeah, occasionally. I'll, I'll, I'm more of, a, more of a lurker and follower. I'm on it quite a lot, but uh, I, don't, I, quite, I don't say a lot. But uh, you can feel free to follow me at Marcus Cooley anyway. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us, guys, and we'll leave you there. Cheers. <laughs>